0: This is Kate.
1: And this is Mr. A.
0: And welcome to the Popcorn and Nacho podcast. Where we
1: talk all films you should see ASAP.
0: So this week we are going to be reviewing a, kind of an older film from 1957. It is called 12 Angry Men, directed by the amazing Sidney Lumet.
1: It is uh, based on a book, made written by... I actually don't remember the author by name. So
0: long. I think it's based on a teleplay, if I read it correctly, by Reginald Rose who and we'll, we'll kind of get into that in a little bit, but um, it stars Henry Fonda um, and quite a few older actors.
1: who, if you haven't seen The Twilight Zone, like you need to watch it. I mean, like, it's one of the greatest shows ever made. Um, a lot of the actors are from the Twilight Zone. right. Um, John Fiedler made a few appearances in the episodes, Martin yep. Balsam. Um, some of the other j- jurors have made it, but um, no Henry Fonda and Lee J Cobb, who are the two main actors really right. in the movie, have never appeared in the Twilight Zone. But the basic plot of the movie—it's really a really basic summary. It's just these twelve jurors have been assigned with figure um, a verdicting, giving a verdict to this one kid who has been charged with a crime of first degree murder, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, and it has to be a unanimous vote of uh, guilty or not guilty. And basically, over the course of the film. Everyone pretty much, right off the bat, they say he's guilty except for one, which is Henry Fonda's character. Right. Well, they just call it juror 8. None of the jurors are given official names. They're just called, like, juror number 8 and 3 and 4 and 5 and so forth. And so as the he starts arguing about the case and he starts, like, bringing up all these facts and these, like, I guess points to the case, like, more and more people are – Going towards like not guilty, and they're getting swayed to different opinions, and they all get pretty heated up. And it's really the movie is centered about them debating the innocence or the guilt of this one kid.
0: Yeah, and if I remember correctly, the death sentence is on the table for this young man if they do decide to convict him for first degree murder. So, right away, when the film begins. Fonda's character, which is, I think, juror number eight. Yeah, I just okay. said juror eight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it shows how
1: much you pay attention <laughs> to what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> I didn't pay attention, but anyways. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, juror eight. Right away, that's definitely something he's very concerned about in their initial discussions regarding this kid's innocence or guilt. He really feels like they should talk over the evidence that has been presented before they really make the decision to convict him, which is kind of where they they all kind of start. They're ready to just say, yeah, he's guilty and kind of get on with it. So so the film is based off a teleplay that actually was made into a movie on CBS. So it was a television uh, production in 1954. Um, It was written by Richard, I'm sorry, not Richard, Reginald Rose and the movie did very well on tv and fonda really felt like it would make a dynamic film and so he actually went uh, to reginald rose and he agreed that yeah this totally would make a great movie Um, and they both approached Sidney lumet who at that time was only directing television shows productions so this was actually his first feature film as a director and wow i mean i'm 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 extremely impressed
1: so why we think this movie like you should see and we recommend it is um one reason is the acting the acting is really the star of the movie because yeah i mean the plot is nothing too crazy not really i mean when you stop thinking about it that's pretty much like that's every day america for you that's every day like everyone has trials at some point but the acting in the movie is just superb like they don't feel like characters they feel like real people and i think part of the reason why is just because this is a very real story like it's a very um
0: yeah i mean this b- believable
1: is... story it's just not not it is a fictional story and it is based on a true case so that's why it like feels so like real and um
0: yeah and i think what's really because the whole film just takes place in a room in a jury room with these 12 men. So there's really not a lot of nope. action going on I mean, around them. I
1: don't care who you put in that role. That's going to get really boring after a while.
0: Yeah, but, exactly, exactly. So the,
1: work, the way they worked around it is that most of the action is just them sitting around. So you had the camera move a lot. And you'll notice throughout yes. the movie, a lot of, like, swirling shots around the table. You get a lot of those very, like, um, dynamic shots of just seeing where everyone is and seeing them moving and squirming about in their chairs and just... Wiping the sweat from their heads,
0: right.
1: it just really creates a lot of. It feel it feels like a lot of stuff's going on with the movement of the camera, even though it's just two, the guy sitting down. Right. And um, it's it's kind of it's a really genius. I like the approach that they made with the movement of the camera. It just
0: yeah, and I think that it
1: definitely does feel like um, it's a lot more interesting to watch than it you know at first on paper would seem to be.
0: Yeah, and I think that Lume was very conscientious of the fact that you know, keeping the camera in one position could get very stagnant after a while. And it really kind of helps to tell the story as well, and also to really kind of shine a light on these characters. I think what I find really interesting about each of these men is- Their
1: their ideologies really shine through one, like, at a time.
0: Yeah, like, as each of them is kind of talking through the evidence or this case, they're really kind of giving their own personal perspective on themselves in each each time that they speak. So, for example, you know, Henry Fonda's character is very much the empathetic character who really kind of says, you know, we need to think about where this, this young man has come from, what he's had to endure. Um, so he really kind of likes to look... I think he he just seems like a very empathetic character who's willing to kind of look at people's situations. That's him as a person to me. I definitely got that impression. And then there's the um, juror number nine, who at first, he's the older gentleman, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
1: played by Joseph Sweeney.
0: Mm-hmm. And he at first wants to vote guilty, changes his mind and switches to not guilty, not because I think he actually thought that the boy was not guilty, but because... He, ad- he admires
1: Eight's courage to stand up in front of everybody else. Courage right. that he himself, as a younger man, did not have. And he's regretful about
0: it. Right. So, again, putting his own personal kind of perspective into the situation and making decisions based on that. I think that's what I find really interesting about the film. And that's so great.
1: That's the great part about why this film is so like fun to analyze, because... In a normal jury case, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to only look at the facts. And the closest juror who actually does look at the facts is number four. Yes. Um, I, can't rem- I, can- I don't know the actor who plays him right off the top of my head, but he's definitely the more level-headed one. Like, he doesn't care about this kid. He doesn't really like... That's not... He says, like, this is not our job to determine, like, what he's been through and right. what he is and, like, if he's a good guy or a bad guy. We just need to make sure if he's guilty or not guilty. We need to look at the facts, and that's it. And he's the only one who really just takes a second to just look at the facts everyone else really just throws in their own biases and their own beliefs and their own right like like moral compasses and that's not what you're really supposed to do in a jury case but at the same time like if I was in that situation I don't know if I would necessarily like be okay with it so
0: uh jury number four is played by E.G. Marshall and you're right he's the most analytical out of the group so I actually found myself kind of gravitating towards him because I think I would be much more like we need to just look at the facts that have been presented to us in the case. So the one thing about the film that definitely I think is, is interesting, and I don't know if this happens in juries or I've never done jury duty myself. So I don't know if people come in and kind of put in their own, like you said, biases and, and ideas. And I'm a little concerned if we are because, I mean, they take it to kind of a crazy place at times, the assumptions that they make in order to kind of, you know, get to the conclusion that they end up getting to. I don't know if it's necessarily right, but it is interesting. And as the movie goes along, you know, it first starts with a lot of, like, long takes, but then the takes start to get closer and closer in on each person. And half
1: the film's edits come in at the last 20 minutes because... The intent was it's building increasing, it's increasing tension in the film. And it be, like you said, it begins with a lot of long, unbroken t- takes, often lasting like more than a minute at least. But as the conversations heat up, the cuts start coming faster. There's a lot more like, oh, jump cut here, jump cut there. And right. as everyone just starts yelling at each other and everyone starts just getting aggravated, more and more aggravated and just wanting to end this. And the quick editing just increases the sense of tension and anxiety. And then until last, at the very end, everything settles down again and we're kind of back to. Normality, I guess. Right.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that's really interesting about the film is, you know, we we start the film off with eleven for guilty, one for not guilty, but then slowly kind of changing the minds of each of the jurors. Now, granted, I think the reasons that each of those jurors changes their mind is very interesting, and I think that's what makes the film really really neat to watch.
1: That's the good. That's the good part about it. It's like there is no real like person who's right here i mean like yeah. juror, juror three is definitely like the antagon- most antagonistic of the group like he's right he's not very pleasant he doesn't he doesn't think anybody is right he thinks this kid's guilty he wants to just he wants to get him killed he doesn't care because with juror three he has us he had a kid once and um he left him and he's just really angry about it and he's just he has this prejudice against kids like him who is you know they're arguing the verdict for but at the same time juror eight who is I guess the most protagonistic of the group is, like, he has flaws, too. The, like, the way he builds up the case is honestly not that smart. Like, <laughs> he's really pulling a lot of straws when he's making the arguments yeah, that he is. Yeah, it's... Uh. So I like that it's, like, you could interpret it as, yeah, Juror 8 is right, or, I don't know, Juror 3 is kind of right in justifying, like, you're pretty sketchy, you're making stuff up, you know? Yeah, I mean... I, you could buy into any side. I people.
0: think that that's a really good point. I think, I think both sides kind of have some valid points number four points out a lot of things in the case that just don't jive with what number eight is saying but like you said i i don't really know if that at the end of the day that's what the point of the film is it's really not about who got it right and who got it wrong it's really watching them come to their conclusion and really i think what i found interesting is the power of one person to change everyone else's mind which i mean I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but definitely the power of one person who is able to persuade and really kind of, you know, uh, say what they want to say. I I think I mean, every person in this film is spectacular. It's it's dialogue driven. We're only in this room. But the standout performances to me, of course, is, um, you know, well, Henry Fonda does a beautiful job as number eight. Uh, but number three, which is uh, portrayed by Lee J. Cobb, mm-hmm. uh, he, he is so, so good. And I think what's really interesting about his character is I feel like right from the very beginning, he is preoccupied with what is going on in his personal life. Right. It's interesting in the beginning of the film, he is one person who shares right away some personal information about himself. So throughout the movie, they just kind of, we only know them as like number three, number eight, number four, number five. We never really learn their names. I I think we don't even learn a name until the end of the film, right? Yeah, the
1: very end of the film.
0: But Three shares something with the group. And I feel like the whole time that they're having this conversation, he's kind of preoccupied with what is going on with him personally, and thus, his anger towards this young man who may or may not have committed this murder I think is really kind of it has more to do with what's going on with him personally than what's going on in that room
1: well that said like there's a lot of dialogue in the movie but there are also a few moments in the film where it kind of like takes a second to breathe like they all just kind of stay silent and they're like walking around they're kind of absorbing their surroundings and like it's it's very good visual acting as well like you can tell like in those moments what every character is thinking of what they're going through and just how they feel in that particular moment yeah it's just very good dialogue driven visually driven story even though it's just guys in one jury room
0: yeah i i I like the I like the analogy the Twilight Zone because this definitely has like a Twilight Zone film well not feel a, well, I'm sorry
1: also a lot of the actors are just in the show they're period. from Twilight
0: Zone but I think that's why because they just they bring this like breadth of experience that you're right you you feel it not just in what they're saying but their facial expressions as well I think another standout performance is juror number no. four which is again played by EG Marshall whose character is even though
1: he's the most analytical, he's still beaming with personality, I've just I gotta say.
0: Yeah, no, he's his whole kind of character is I'm cool, I'm calm, I'm rational. And I think he does a very good job of kind of portraying that and really kind of showing and demonstrating and He's really that.
1: like the most level headed out of all of them.
0: I think that's what I like about his character is I don't feel he's easily swayed based on biases as much as some of the other ones are I think he truly kind of is like well wait a second here if we're going to say that it's this and that let me understand how it can be this and that and I think that's why I personally gravitate towards this character because I think that would be me and then I think another performance that's really kind of really dynamic in 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 kind of an ugh way is juror number 10 played by Ed 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 Begley
1: and um, yeah um, the thing with him is he's racist plain and simple he's very racist and he doesn't really try to hide it that well right but what I like about him is that he's like yeah sure he's mean but like at the same time there are, sadly, people like like him that exist out there. So, I mean, it's not outright unbelievable the way he acts.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think... And
1: his arc towards the end is interesting to me. I'm is. not going to spoil what happens with him specifically, right. but it's a very powerful scene, I think. It, it is. Just, extra-
0: yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I would say it's one of the most powerful scenes in a... I guess you would call this, like, a, a courtroom drama, even though we're technically not in the courtroom, because we're really in a jury deliberation which... I mean when you actually think about like legal dramas and courtroom dramas this is really interesting because this is really more about the jury and the jury making their decision versus what happens in the court which i think is what we're we're used to right, right. um and it's just it's so it i mean as we've been saying like when you really think about the story it's a very 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 simple story which could be absolutely boring if it wasn't, you know, directed by Lumet and and starring all these people, because what they do with it is just, oh, it's just, it's, it really gets you going. It's very tense. It's not the
1: subject, it's the delivery that nails it. Yeah. It's just, the acting is just absolutely amazing. Um, The camera work is very, very good, and it's very appropriate in the times of tension and in times of really just getting heated up and, It's just very well paced, surprisingly, and like it feels like it has a flowing structure, even though it's just guys arguing about, you know, the innocence of a little boy. But yeah, Yeah. it's somehow they made this simple story that really should not have been that good. Like, really amazing to watch.
0: Yeah, really interesting. And and again, you know, I think juror number ten, I think you hit on a really good point, Mister A. The fact that, you know. we we still exist in a society where there are people that have these prejudiced and racist views and it is still part of our uh, of our culture and something that we have to deal with. And it's just interesting that this film from 1957 talks about this as well um, and brings it up and makes it kind of be talked about, which I think is really important and interesting because we're still dealing with these issues today that we need to talk about, we need to face, um, I think, as people. And I just, I think it's really neat that they did that even back then when, you know, that conversation <laughs> was extremely, extremely relevant, um, you know, just given uh, history.
1: Another character with a really good arc is, um, juror number eight is good, but he really doesn't have that much of an arc. I feel like he's mostly the same from the beginning into the end. But yeah. juror number three... His breakdown moment in the movie is by far like the best. I'm not gonna spoil it. You have to watch the movie itself, but his acting is just absolutely uh, yeah. amazing. It's the best acting he's done in that film. It, it's just the way he just emotionally breaks down, and he's like he's almost pleading for help from the other jurors, and they just they just kind of they kind of bully him. I, I feel. I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like they were really kind of.
0: Well, I think he made himself so unlikable. And then, right, he, you know, in the right. film, he kind of attacks a few people as well. He's he's a hothead. He's very... And he, I
1: mean, he says he's sorry, but he doesn't really do anything to earn that no, sorry. No, and
0: the, the sorry almost kind of feels...
1: A little like, all right, I'm sorry. Just listen to me more, all yeah, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> it doesn't feel heartfelt. But then again, like, his character comes in with so much anger, so much rage, and he's, he's really kind of taking it out on these men in this room and this boy. I mean, in all honesty, this this kid. But again, like I said, I think what's really driving his character, or at least what I kind of got out of it, was really what's going on behind the scenes for him. And you're absolutely right. Like, what happens with him? Like, Lee J. Cobb probably gives the best performance in this entire film, in I mean, my I, opinion. I mean, I love Henry Fonda. He's I really, too. really
1: good. But, I mean, Lee J. Cobb is... No. Like,
0: oh, he steals Henry it. Henry Fonda is Henry Fonda. Like, he... No, I mean, I'm. Not, I like Henry Fonda, but I, I feel a little bit like when Fonda plays something, he plays it pretty much the same as he plays every other movie. I don't think you've ever seen another. It's kind of
1: like. It's kind of like when you see Tom Cruise in a movie. It's like it's still Tom. Cruise. It's just Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the same with Henry Fonda.
0: So, so I just think this film is just really, really powerful. It was nominated for um, best picture for an Oscar. Um, it was nominated for best director for Sidney Lumet. And like I said, for me, this being his first feature film as a director wow just amazing and Lumig will go on to make like oh my god like amazing amazing films another one of my favorites from him is a dog day afternoon maybe we'll talk about it one day and it, it was nominated as well for best adapted screenplay it didn't win anything but I think that you know the fact that it was even nominated just goes to show just what an amazing film um, it is period and this
1: leads us to our argument I'm gonna go off track here but I don't care to our argument about black and white movies. Look, I know nowadays movies have really evolved since this film. There's been a lot more like digital effects, there's a lot more action, there's a lot more a lot more range in like the characters and so forth. But I think people really underestimate the power of these black and white movies because they might not look like a lot at first cuz like they're not in color, you know, there's not a lot of huge effects usually with these films. So you might be like I'm not going to watch them. But like there's some real gold in the black and white movie era. I mean, I get, again, we talked about King Kong, but again, like this movie is gold, like, and there's just a lot of powerful stuff in black and white movies that I think people can overlook. And I just get the feeling that a lot of people just don't, they ignore them because they are black and white, but there's a lot, I just, I don't know. It just
0: yeah, it bugs I, me Yeah, there's a just, though. I mean, I think, I think, I think the thing is, and we, I think we've talked about this before, You know, black and white films, I think there's this feeling that it's boring, boring content, boring characters, boring story. And that just couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, some of the best films are black and white. Uh, On our Instagram account, we've talked about a lot of black and white films that we truly love. Um, Some like It Hot by Billy Wilder rebecca by alfred hitchcock which oh my god is like one of my most favorite movies like ever all of these films are just so dynamic and they're on par with colored films Uh, they're just amazing so i i hope that younger audiences will really kind of give those black and white films a chance and i think there's a very good chance that they might you know if you have hbo max you subscribe to hbo max uh, Turner Classic Movies is actually included on there and they have a lot of films that are just y- you should check it out if you have HBO Max take a look at those Turner Classic Movies yes there's some like 80s and 90s films on there which is like making me kind of mad because like that's really a classic movie now that <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel so bad but um, <laughs> it makes me feel like not 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 uh, not young anymore but anyways um, so many good films on there and I hope that those will get the attention of younger people and they'll watch these films because you really should these films still speak to what we're dealing with today and I think that this this film specifically is a really good a really good film that still has relevance today.
1: Now don't get us wrong, the one problem I will say with the film is that some of the evidence in Juror Eight's case they kinda oh. overlook or miss.
0: Yeah. But again,
1: <laughs> this was a different time, so I guess they just they didn't look into that stuff as much as we do we would nowadays. But yeah, Yeah. when you're watching, it can be a little distracting. Like, wow, what about this? What about, you know, (laughs) what about the specifics? They tend to overlook some of the specific elements.
0: I like what you said, though. It's not about who's right. It's not about who's wrong. It's really more about watching these men kind of come to the consensus that they do and the evolution of themselves throughout the process. So really, really interesting film. Very strong, very dynamic, and that's really why we. In a way, it's
1: almost like it's almost entirely character-driven, opposed yes, to plot-driven. I know it is. It's about um, their verdict about a kid being guilty or not guilty, but like a lot of the film, what makes this film is just seeing the characters evolve throughout this co- uh, this trial and seeing them, like giving their moral compasses, their ideologies, yeah. their beliefs, and just seeing how they evolve or change.
0: And honestly, I sometimes think that is what makes black and white films so strong is because you don't have at times you don't have the they didn't have the visual effects to kind of use to kind of throw the story like about the way we kind of do now where you can kind of you can have a weaker story but if your visuals are pretty good and you have some likable characters you can kind of get along with it. I think a lot of the black and white films it's the stories and the characters specifically that drive the entire film. And maybe, maybe that's because
1: when we watch movies, me and Kate, like, that's really yeah. what we're looking for. We, we want yeah. a strong story. We've about or that. very great characters. Yeah. Anything else, we couldn't really give two craps <laughs> about. I mean, if the visuals are good, they're like, that's yeah, fine. fine. If the visuals are crap, whatever. But as long as the story and the characters are great, like, we couldn't care
0: less. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that, that's to us, is what makes great film. So I think every film we've talked about has both of those components always so you'll repeatedly hear us say that probably in each of the podcasts but again this is why we, we we choose the films that we choose the stories the characters and to your point the characters in this film specifically are just wow
1: so I mean 12 Angry Men just great characters I mean just um, really strong acting some of the best acting I've seen and it's not a very like, complex story but they tell it so well and yeah. so believably that it's it, it is really an interesting watch, and it's an interesting dive into kind of, kind of the American like jury system, yeah. and it's kind of raising re- the question of um, how valid is this method. And I yeah. th- think some people will still have that debate now, right today. I so. think so too,
0: but I mean it's flawed, but it is what it is. You know, I don't know if I would want any other system. And I think what's really interesting is uh, this film. Like I said, it's it's uh, it's a classic. It's in the American Film Institute's like top. 100 films to see. Um, I know from a legal standpoint, it's 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 inspired like tons of people to kind of get into uh, the legal system. I think it was even reading that um, Sonia Sotomayor, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court justice, she saw the film. She was really moved by one of the characters who kind of talks about due process um he's the he's the immigrant character i don't know his name and i can't remember which jury number juror
1: number 11 Jury number 11 Played by george voskovic I yeah so and exactly. that's
0: that's really what made her decide to go and become a lawyer and become a judge and i think that that's just extremely powerful and again speaks to the film
1: and even if you you're not like keen on the idea of like oh we got to watch a, like a like a political drama like a you know Courtroom drama. I'm like, it's not really about that. There are. It's still a vital part of the story, but another half of the charm comes from the evolution of these characters and seeing them going through these issues. So I think you'll still enjoy it nonetheless for just how well built these characters are. So it 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 has a little something for everybody. I'd say might not be your cup of tea, but like I still think you should watch it. Give it a watch. just, Just just to see, just to see how good it is. Absolutely. And, you know, if it's a black and white film and you're turned off by it, but, like, I promise you, like, black and white movies, they deliver so much with so little, I think. Yeah, we highly recommend this film. And where can you find this film, please?
0: So, unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere except, like, some free sites, but you have to watch advertisements. But you can rent it on Amazon Prime, Google, and Vudu. Thank you for listening to the Popcorn and Nacho podcast.
1: And we'll be talking more films you should see ASAP. Thank